This is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by the returning Kelly Maroney of Night of the Comet, Chopping Mall, and all kinds of cool stuff. And it's very cool to have you back. Oh, thank you, Neil. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me, and happy Halloween. Happy yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Do, do you do you have any plans for Halloween? Um, I it's a busy it's, it's our busy season, you know. Sure. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is this is when um, this is this is when we are super appreciated. Um, although we really always feel appreciated by our by you know this this genre is like spectacular for being a family type community. So we always feel super appreciated by the fans. But this is the time when we really get to blow it out, you know, with mm-hmm. leaves and wind and darkness and popcorn and ghosts and spells and you name it. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're busy all month long. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of Halloween, this is, this is a mouthful, so I'm going to try to get out there. I'm a little bit cold, but hopefully I can say it. Midnight Pulp presents the totally rad Halloween slash tacular Max edition. That's good. Mm-hmm. good. That's exactly yeah. right. It's a great <laughs> name. It's, it's, the name is, it is totally rad. I know. It is. I know. Yeah. This is a really so it's, uh, cool thing. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead. You you you'll probably explain it better than, than I can. Well, I don't know about that, but it's a, a, a it's an app you can download, OTT, or um, it's streaming everywhere, like uh, Apple TV, iTunes, Roku, 
um, it's part of a subscription service, um, Midnight Pulp. So you can actually also download it for four ninety nine a month if you want to download the movies or something. I, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but but the because most of the focus here is that it's for free um, for this. Um, and so, but the cool thing about it is they've got a lot of movies that you're not going to see streaming. You know, we always have our standard fare, and they're all great. But you can mm-hmm. probably name the major ones that you're going to see. These are different. You don't see them every day. Like uh, you don't see Reanimator every day, or Chopping Mall, or Zero Boys, or you don't see a Basket Case every day. You know, some of these movies are, you know, um, are are just kind of different, and and it's a it's a fun opportunity to see something I, I've never seen a couple of these because back yeah, in the I, day I would have had to. I would have. I was going to admit I haven't seen some. Yeah. To the to the video store, and then that's if they had it. So it was it was a lot harder to see this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, some of them I haven't seen, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I have to admit, even though I've, I do a horror show, there are a couple here I haven't seen myself. Yeah, I know. And is it funny we're scared to admit it? It's like people go, what do you mean you haven't seen whichever movie <laughs> right. it is? You right. can't see uh, everything. <laughs> uh, I'm still working yeah, on it, and I'm in the genre. I know. I know. So hmm. nobody ever feel bad about that because, you know, that's what it's there for. We're going to take our time and go through each and everything, and, and we're... And if we watch everything we can for the rest of our lives, we're still not going to see everything. And that's just mm. the way it goes, which is yeah. a great that, problem. It's a quality problem. Exactly, because it's fun to watch something that you haven't seen, you know, especially from another era. It's like obviously something new you haven't seen, but if it's something from when you grew up but you for somehow didn't see it, like, oh, this is cool. This is, uh, you know, I love this era of movies, and here's one I've never seen before. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and... and um, that happens to me all the time, even though this is my, you know, my thing, my life. So I'm right there with everybody else who feels like they got some catching up to do. <laughs> now you, you know, obviously you're in the horror world, but are you also a horror movie fan? I am. I am. When I was a little kid, I used to love like, you know, on Sunday, I can't remember. It might've been Saturday they would play like Frankenstein and Dracula in black and white, you know, in the local stations and stuff like that. I was always mm-hmm. drawn to that weird stuff. And, <laughs> and so um, then less so, um, oh, I remember, I remember going to see Halloween. And I just thought, I mean, it's just such a profound experience to be, have, have the crap scared out of you like that. Um, unlike anything else, you know, it's one thing, it's, it's one thing to be moved by a story or inspired by a story, but there's nothing more immediate and visceral and wow, I'm in my body now than to be scared. So, but I have a weird reaction to it, to it because I'm a, I'm a shrieker and a jumper. And uh-huh. so I'm usually at a, at a horror screening, you know, cause I have the good fortune to be invited to premieres and stuff like that. You know, I'm there because I'm the first one that, that shrieks and jump and then because i realized i reacted overreacted so stupidly then i laugh so it shrieks jump <laughs> oh man kelly's here uh-huh. <laughs> the first one i get the ball rolling first shriek yeah. on me i think that adds to the experience of, of being at the movies though especially a horror movie because they do have that unique uh reaction where you're both uh, people are scared and also having fun at the same time yeah yeah and 
people are surprised too because they think I'm probably going to be jaded and everything. They go, "Oh my gosh, you're so fun to watch horror movies with." <laughs> just, just assume, "Oh, Kelly's seen everything. She's you know going to be bored or whatever." No, totally the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about the uh, '80s movies you think that really still capture people's you know, imagination? There was a feeling. Um, I thought about this. There was a feeling back in the 80s of nobody, you know, you had like $5 to do them. And everybody wanted to do something that was going to knock everybody else's socks off. That they, here's something, I'm going to try this. No one's ever going to figure out how I did this. No one's ever seen anything like this before. I'm going to tell my own story. That's, and there's nothing like it. As opposed to nowadays when there's a lot of, what can we remake, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but in the 80s, that was completely the opposite attitude. You didn't want to be like anybody else. You wanted to do your... And that really reads. I mean, I think the enthusiasm reads. And you had a lot of super talented people trying to do something with no budget and and um, just, just like enjoying themselves to no end and doing what they love to do. And it really reads. And also the mm-hmm. stories were more about people who like ran into some like really messed up situation as opposed to um, what happened later on, which is the horror was, was already set up for you and, and the people were less um, of an issue. It was like, you know, there were, there were kills as opposed to people that you, you got to know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's back now. It's more about people now again, characters and, and you know, um, more psychological stuff because nowadays mm-hmm. people are going into horror on purpose. Back in the day, a lot of people would, would um, well, horror is a good way to get your foot in the door because um, it's low budget, so it's not that much of a risk, and people know they're going to pretty much make their money back on a horror movie. So that's, and they would, you know, write a horror movie. Somebody will buy that or direct a horror movie. And so that was a way to get your foot in the door of show, of the movie industry. But now people are coming up that want to do horror. It's not about getting their foot in the door. It's about doing horror. And that kind of commitment and passion is is much like what it used to be like, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like even the people that are just doing it to get their foot in the door back in the '80s. Once you're on the set, it's like, you know, that's what you live for. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but that feeling is, is is very present now in people coming up. Is that they're they're, they're taking this? It's it's their art form, where um, that they decided specifically that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and, and the horror, the art that comes out of it. And the, it's the fans too. They're so, um, passionate and they take so much joy. It's horror is like a lifestyle, you know, and you don't find that any, in any other genre, like there's no rom-com lifestyle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You don't go to a convention mm-hmm. and like, get a, yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's really unique. And it's, it's special because people feel like they're a family, and they are, too, because they're bonding over something that's really real for them. You know, that's mm-hmm. really true, which is people feel like, you know, they're different than other people, or they feel like a little bit on the outside, or whatever it may be. Um, they, it's, it's more personal. It's all connecting on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. And you can really see that on social media. I mean, we might never have known this if it hadn't been for the Internet, but... I mean, like, for example, I probably never would have known people were still watching these movies. To think that I'm talking about these movies in 2019, 
is mm-hmm. mind blowing. I never mm-hmm. probably would have even known that people were still enjoying these things. Nobody yeah. would have told I, me. Yeah. How 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 like life changing was that then when you get on the internet and you discover you know you, these movies are still talked about and still loved and loved by you know a new generation. We were all shocked. We were all surprised. We, I mean, because you know, like Barbara and I have mentioned, we talked about it when I talk about it with other people. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just to a person, we, we were all shocked. Like, what? Why, why are you bringing that movie up? Well, don't you know? It's a big favorite. And no, we didn't know. <laughs> so, you know, we we were the most surprised people of all. But mm-hmm. it was great. Like who mm-hmm. knew, you know? Yeah, and as a as a as a uh, you know, as a kid grew up watching horror movies. Um, you know, maybe I'd have like one or two other people I knew like in school that liked them, but then when you do get online, then you you uh, you find those one or two people all over, you know, from each of their own little communities, and so you can share this love of uh, of a lot of Chopping Mall with uh, with people that you didn't have, you know, to to really interact with when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, that that's just it. Is you used to feel like there's maybe one or two people, but a lot of people would go, "Oh, I hate to watch scary movies. I don't want to be scared." And so it made you feel like you didn't realize that you had a tribe. And now we find out that there's more than just a tribe. It's like a, a nation. It's horror nation out there. But we found each other. We never would have, you know, yeah. before. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really. I was gonna mentioned something and of course it went right out of my mind but i'll think of it um, all right all right <laughs> so i i noticed that you and uh, jim winorski over the last couple of years you know talk sometimes about like a new project is that uh, what's going on there are you guys trying to, to work on something um well you know you he's a trickster and he posts a lot of weird stuff <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> But um, I, I I do know that he would like to do not a remake. Um, he would mm. like to do um, continuation of Chopping Mall, and he is working on that. So, mm. um, and that's about all I can say about it at this point. But that all right, sure not, enough. That's that's that's. Not, I always tell him, don't cry wolf. Then when you really do something, no one's going to believe you. But he doesn't pay any <laughs> attention to me. Right. The crying wolf, don't do it. <laughs> I'm the opposite. It's like I want people to, if I say something, I want people to know if she said it's happening, it's happening. But he's the yeah. opposite. He just likes to, yeah, I know. So, um, but that, that is, there's something to that. And that's about all I can say, but he's not lying about that one. <laughs> all right. That's good enough. Yeah. So, did you, had you stayed with, uh, friends with him this whole time? Or was there like a period you, you guys, you know, lost contact? I would say probably we lost contact. I mean, you know, he too, I probably had never dreamt everybody was still watching Chopping Mall. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is, I mean, that's, that's kind of like a glue. You know, I'm going to always know those people from Chopping Mall because occasionally somebody's going to say, hey, can you all do a Q&A or can you, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... We're kind of, we're all kind of stuck together. I mean, I've been friends with Barbara now for, you know, we were just doing a panel for In Search of Darkness, that 80s um, documentary. It's, it's really, mm-hmm. really good. I'm happy to be a part of it. But we're sitting there and Barbara says to the audience, Kelly and I have been friends for over 30 years. And we're just sitting there. We can't even believe it ourselves. 
<laughs> you know, and, and I realized we're gonna, in another 30 years, we're going to be sitting there talking about horror on stage someplace. It's just a <laughs> lifelong thing. And it's probably yeah. the same, you know, with a lot of people that I've worked with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw you you did another documentary, Direct-to-Video, which uh, debuted recently on the Monster Channel. Yeah, you know, um, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, that was, mm-hmm. um, Direct-to-Video is more like the 90s when the advent of Direct-to-Video came along. Oh, okay. Because that was very interesting, too. These people didn't have the pressure of, oh, this has to come out. Um, they, they made them really quick, and, and nobody's looking over their shoulder, and they did get to do some things that, they probably wouldn't be allowed to do now just because nobody was watching. <laughs> but it's behind their back. You know, we love that kind of stuff. Everybody in show business is a little bit of a trickster. Um, yeah. And then also, I mean, this was my year of talking heads. I was also in um, the CNN special, The 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, they played some clips and then, um, what's it called? Um, oh, gosh. Oh, Kelly, don't forget this now. Um, it's called... Oh, the best cult movie ever made or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, gosh, I wish I wasn't... If I had it in front of me, I normally have everything in front of me so that this doesn't happen to me. And, of course, the one time I don't have it. Anyway, um, they, it's got some spectacular people in it. I mean, Ileana Douglas and all, all these uh, other other filmmakers, like big people, Cameron Crowe. Um, I mean, tons and tons of, of people all about um, um, cult movies and mm-hmm. like some, and I was in that too. So I thought, wow, I'm the talking head this year. So it's unusual. <laughs> I think for me or anybody else to be in four documentaries in one year. Yeah. Really weird. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It seems uh, the eighties nostalgia is really big, you know, even at the TV shows like stranger things and the, and the new it, and uh, yeah. I mean, new, this year's American Horror Story, 1984, it just seems like uh, mm-hmm. people really love... Uh, do you think it's because people who grew up in that era now are making things? Yes, I do. And also, um, it was its own thing. It was a time when um, um, there was just a, such a pure love for the genre and a passion for, I'm going to do something that no one else has ever done before. And I want to do it on five dollars. <laughs> There's nothing like that attitude, you know. I mean, <laughs> so I, it, it, it's, it's the whole. It, I mean, it was a whole time period too, when there was just a little bit of rebellious streak going on there, you know. And and I think people love that, and it, it was very evident in the horror genre. Yeah, you know, we were very subversive. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think when you watch something that, like you said, was made for five dollars, but they were trying to make something great, it really comes yeah. through. Like there's heart there, as opposed to some, some modern stuff that is purposely made to look that way. I think uh, I never yeah. really care for that kind of thing. Well, it just in, in your heart and soul, you know, if somebody was trying to make a buck or trying to make a movie, you know, mm-hmm. you could just—I mean, even if you can't put your finger on it. You're, you know in your subconscious that they didn't really care or, yeah. or there was you know some other something else going on there and you and conversely you can really tell when somebody this was their they lived and breathed and slept this and this is you know this took every they left it all on that sound stage 
and here it is, for better or worse. And, you know, that's the great thing about horror, too, is, yeah, you know what? It's no secret. There's a lot of really crappy horror out there. Uh (laughs) But it's not like other movies that, you know, you try something and you don't always succeed, but you know that the horror people were in there giving it their all, and you can't win them all. And so you love them anyway. You know, they don't just disappear because there's just something about the heart that's involved in it. You know, it's such a, a visceral kind of um, right down to the bone kind of feeling to, to, to make a horror thing because mm-hmm. it's not it's not like a sophisticated emotion that goes through your brain and everything. It goes right in your gut. Mm-hmm. And so you, I, I just think we have a special fondness for people that, you know, are in there giving it their all. I, I mean, I can't think of one movie one other genre that you know oh it's a rom-com they it's really terrible but i'm gonna watch it and love it anyway i don't do that my husband don't do that we don't go oh it's really bad but you know what god bless them and sit there and watch it no we don't (laughs) but we'll do that with a horror movie it's like Mm -hmm. you know even if even if there's a lot of misses in it it's still it's still something's just just uh, adoring adorable about it you know just very endearing and you, and you're yeah. willing to go with them, what they're trying to mm-hmm. do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and especially, you, um, go on, sorry. Oh, and and then you root for them too. Like if you watch something and they really pull yes. it off, you're like, damn, good for you. You know, <laughs> because it's <laughs> yeah. not easy to get. It's not easy. It's, it's you know, I mean, it, 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 there's nothing worse than something that you're trying to do that that falls flat, and yet it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Along those lines of uh, of something, you know, that maybe didn't have a huge budget and you had to have your heart in it. What were some of like the hardest things you had to do when you were making some of the movies in the 80s? Um, let's see, for me, that's, for me, it wasn't that hard because I, that was all I ever wanted to do. And it mm-hmm. didn't matter. I mean, they could have thrown me in a pool of crocodiles and I would have been okay. <laughs> just because I was doing what I wanted to do. I never questioned anything like, like, oh, that's, I don't want to do that. Never. I just was like in there. It was in for a pound, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking, there's a reason. I, I used to think, because I was playing juvenile delinquents and psychotic killers before I played cheerleaders. When I got <laughs> up to California, I started to be like, you know, the hero. I mean, as opposed to just the um, girl with the bad attitude. Um, oh. Kind of like an anti in a weird way, um, which was cool for me. But um, I know why I was a cheerleader because I was, as a human being, I was so enthusiastic. It was like, oh, look, craft services. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, new pages. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this all my life and it was real now. And I was, you know, yeah. in heaven. So I can't remember anything that I thought was really hard because I was just mm-hmm. in it, you know, just yeah. doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever bring out the cheerleader uh, outfit for like, any of the conventions? Um, I don't because that would be way too much like whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Don't you think? But people yeah, yeah, yeah. as move. They do. Oh, well, that's I'm, cool. Because that's not an easy costume to make. That requires mm-hmm. a lot of skill. It's it's not simple. It's like, like throwing a sheet over you and cutting some holes for eyes. That's a really <laughs> complex outfit. So, you know, they put some time and skill into that. And then, yeah. um, but, you know, I mean, one of my cheerleading outfits is in the museum at Universal. Oh, really? That's pretty wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I'm a museum relic already. And then the other mm-hmm. one has it, it's um, in a, a gallery, a private collector for the the Night of the Comet mm. has has it. So I just saw a picture of it too on mm-hmm. display, and I was like, "Wow, both of my cheerleading outfits are preserved." You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty neat, actually. Mm-hmm. That's what so, that's what you know. That's where enthusiasm will get you. Yeah, that's yeah, great. <laughs> exactly. So you know, mentioned Midnight Pulp, and you know these these movies are streaming on there, and uh, you know, what what do you make of the rise of like the streaming sites? Well, I just think I mean, it used to be so hard to see things, and then you know, mm-hmm. I I'm old enough to remember when cable first started coming in. You could watch anything you wanted. Um, that was. I mean, I think that's most how most people originally saw some of the stuff that I was in. They saw it on cable, not in the theater. Yeah. But now when, you know, even like the biggest movies on Earth maybe get two weekends before they get pulled, how else are you going to see anything? You know, and all these people, you know, nobody, very few people are making movies to get rich. If you saw the numbers on these things, I mean, they're literally doing this for the love of it. And if if mm. if you have to rent something for like four ninety nine, it's okay. It's really okay yeah. because they're not, they you know they don't make anything on them. They're doing it for the love of what they're doing. And I think think it's great that so many people's work is being allowed to be seen because mm. it's not like it's not like a guarantee that somebody's gonna you know you're gonna catch fire. And so you know what you do, you just raise some more money and make another one. I mean. Nobody in their right mind, this is not a business model that anybody, you know, it's maybe like you know, a, 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 somebody in an insane asylum would come up with this business model. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. There's it's no way to live, you know. Um, uh-huh. You know, it, yeah. it's kind of like the lottery. If you do make some money, it's kind of like the lottery. So that, that's the roundabout way of saying I think it's great. One thing, yeah. as, a, as a viewer, that I'm not thrilled mm-hmm. about is now I have to pay for everything. It's like, oh, you want this, this channel? Well, you're going to have to pay for that one. So it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how many things do I have to pay for? Is I really have to budget it, you know? But yeah. I think as we move, it's probably going to, it's probably just a, um, a thing moving away from just a big, huge cable channel to um, mm-hmm. being able to pick and choose, you know, on your plate, what it is you really want to watch. Yeah. So I don't That's know. That's what I mean, a lot of people do. It's 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 everything is changing so fast that I don't know how anybody keeps it straight, and everybody's just like um, having to flow with with whatever new thing is coming out. However, the business has changed from last week, and nobody really knows. And I mean, it's weird, but it's also pretty exciting because it's a level playing field. Nobody knows. Although you know, William, William Goldman said that about Hollywood decades mm-hmm. ago. Nobody knows anything. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's more true than ever today. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows anything. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I watched the, uh, uh, Night of the Comet used to play a lot on, uh, I think it was HBO, one of the, the cable channels, because, uh, you know, I, I had cable in the 80s. That's uh, We were one of the, the... I live in a small town, but for some reason it came here pretty fast. But yeah, they, and I think Chopping Mall used to play a lot too on like basic cable, but it was I think it was cut pretty heavily. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the, the whole thing is only about 70 minutes long to begin with. But mm-hmm. um, they had to cut, when, when, he, when it was first released, they had to cut the um, scene where um, Susie gets, burns alive because they said, if you don't cut that, you're, we're going to give you an X. That was way too graphic. Yeah. A lot of things had to be cut just because they were too gross. Um, I think they might have had to cut some of the Susie Slater's head exploding too, but I don't know that that for a fact. But yeah, and then there's a longer version that they played. There's a longer version also of Fast Times. Um, but you know, they really don't play as well longer. I mean, they were right to cut what they cut, keep it going at the mm-hmm. right clip. No. Yeah. Unfortunately, with yes. Night of the Comet, everything we shot is on the screen. There's no such thing as an extended version of Night of the Comet. That's <laughs> Every single frame is on that screen. Yeah, there's no deleted yeah. scenes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you have in the works? I know you've got a, several well, documentaries coming out. Yeah, um, four, <laughs> and then I've got a horror comedy movie with a, a whole bunch of horror icons that is really cool that I got to be part of called Exorcism at sixty thousand feet with okay. Lance Henriksen, Bill Mosley, Adrian Barbeau. By Ling, uh, Kevin O'Connor, um, Matthew Moy. Um, just, I mean, I always put it this way: if if you see this group of people get on a plane and they're <laughs> not all going to a horror convention, get off the plane. Uh-huh. Something bad's going to happen. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, see me and Adrian Barbo walking on a plane. It's not gonna. It's not gonna end well. It's some like really freaky thing is about to happen. Unless we're going to a convention, in which case it's fine. Right, um, right. I got that one. I got one that did this, um, doing the um, um, festival circuit called Blowing Up Right Now, which is, again, it's, it's a, it's, it is a romantic comedy, but it's also, they thought, you know, when the world is ending, you think of Kelly. And that has <laughs> happened to me, honestly, a few times. It's like, well, it's about the world ending. Uh-huh. Oh, I know Kelly Maroney. Oh, would she do this? That's <laughs> <laughs> actually really at the end of the world. It's Kelly. Um, and there's one called The Well-Respected Man, which uh, is kind of a similar thing. And what else? Um, there's going to be a, a little um, horror genre actress thing that we're going to be shooting later in the year, which is which is which I think is really going to be cool. Um, and then I just did one about a sci-fi thing called The Video Store, and it's more sci-fi, like aliens and stuff. Um, oh, cool. But we, we borrowed, yeah, it's like I, I, I picked out my waitress uniform with um, Twin Peaks heavily in mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the things from the video store, the kids uh, from, the, from the 90s, you know, kids driving, riding on their bikes to the video store and stuff like that. It's, they, they really meticulously... Um, figured out, like, I have, you know, not to give away anything too much, but mm-hmm. I have a pager, you know, instead of a, you know, they make, you, you can see the way things are. Do you remember having a pager? I had for I never had a, phone. yeah, I did not. I actually didn't even have a cell phone till not that long ago. When my uh, my friend Annabelle was like, you have to have a cell phone. And I was like, oh, I'll never yeah. use it, but I'm on it all the time, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was one of those texting holdouts too. It's like, uh-huh. well, why type with each other? And then guess what? And I'm the biggest texter there is. <laughs> it's so much easier. Uh-huh. Um, so that those things are coming out, and um, oh, the, oh gosh, well, I have a premiere this weekend for something called Corky All Grown Up, 
and that has nothing to do with horror. It's uh, more uh-huh. like a, it's got a calm feeling to it. But the character that I play, it, it was really weird. They they didn't realize um, um, the Night of the Comet. Um, they used a picture that people know that they didn't realize it was a famous picture, kind of a uh, well-known picture um, for young Corky, because if she is a little bit like what would have happened to Samantha in an alternate darker universe where the world did not end. <laughs> so uh, it's a really good character. It's really fun. Um, I'm kind of like a cougar, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see the picture now yeah. for, for uh, on the IMDb page, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, so I like playing me some anti heroes. I really do. Uh-huh. You know, people with you met- people with problems. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned blowing up right now is on the festivals. Um, uh, do do you get to go to the festivals when, when when your movies play and and watch them with the audience? Um, not for that. I, well, I was at dances with films for that one, so that uh-huh. was fun. I didn't, but um, I'm, I'm I play the guy's mother. So, um, with, um, Dan, oh gosh, he's, he's a, gosh, he's a, he's an actor on, um, on my crazy ex-wife. He's fabulous. He's a wonderful improviser. We're his parents and he talks to us on Skype. So okay. it's more of a supporting thing. So <clears throat> I, I didn't go through a lot of things like that for that one, but normally, yeah, yeah. On anything else, I, I probably would be there because I love film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, at first I was shy to go to them and I thought, why would I do that? But um, I was wrong because they're really great and you get to meet people and, and it's fun to see other people's films and, and just the community involved. So I will be going to festivals for the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, but not cool. that, yeah, that particular Mm. Yeah, I just—I was just saying, I just started doing festivals a couple of years ago, and I—I uh, I love the experience. Like you said, uh, everyone hangs out afterwards. The filmmakers—it's uh, a good way to—it's a lot of things there. You get to see movies. You know, I see a lot of movies like a year or so before they come on Shutter at the festivals, and uh, you also yeah, get too. to interact with people who you know who uh, who create things. So I get cool interviews, and I've also you know uh, now working on some movies with people I met at the festival. So it's a—it's a really good experience. Yeah. Any sequel stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and also you get to see, um, like, for example, you, you know somebody a certain way, but they got into a, a, an independent movie where they get a chance to do something that they don't usually do. And that's fun to see, too. See people spread yeah. their wings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Really and then, you know, I've got, I just root for people, too. If I, was, I see somebody kill in a movie and it just, and you know that I didn't expect necessarily to see them do, and and it just blows my mind. It really makes me feel good. So I love going to them. Yeah. And, and you that's have, I have the stamina for it too. But you have to have stamina for it. But I do. I'm willing to stay <laughs> till the last dog is hung. So. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are. Yeah. yeah. I just did one in Buffalo that was uh, seven days. I think it's by the seventh day you are kind of delirious of watching uh, movies every day. But but it's still a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then it's also what happened to my diet because I've been eating red bun, mm. diet coke, and yeah. You know, so you start to feel a little sick, but it's all worth it. <laughs> it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah this, last, <laughs> yeah, this last... Yeah, this last... I had 
Uh, like your, I know your husband lost a lot of weight. I lost 130 pounds since uh, last November. Wow. And so when I went, so when I was in Buffalo, I was very worried about uh, like uh, uh, getting exercise and eating right, you know, because it was the first time I would be I was away for like an extended period of time. So, but I was using the gym every morning in, in the hotel and, and trying to trying to eat as best as I could at restaurants. Well, that's good. That's good. I I have the best of intentions, but I never make it to the gym at the hotel ever, even though, you know, I, I think I tried once or twice. Like the first time I went to Chiller, I think I tried to use the gym. And now it, it just, uh, I, I'm impressed because it's, it's, it takes real commitment, you know, in order mm-hmm. to, to, to stay on your game. It's so tempting to just sit there like a slob and swirl <laughs> Diet Coke and popcorn. And <laughs> yes, it was. It was very tempting. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, let's see. Midnight Paul presents Totally Rad Halloween slash Tacular, and I'll have the link right on the website, midnightpulp.com. You go there, and they have a Roku channel. And so I believe the movies are there for free, and if you want the ad-free version, it's only four ninety nine. And I think maybe some of the really gory movies will be uncut on the uh, on the premium site. That's that's cool. It's, it's and it's movies that you don't necessarily they're not they're not the usual lineup. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, did you say it was an app? Uh, yeah, I believe this. I believe there's several different ways you could watch them. You could watch them on the Roku mm-hmm. channel or the different apps. Uh, yeah, so you go to midnightpulp.com and it'll give you all the different devices you can use. Right, right. Okay, good. There's so much going on with it that I I don't I'm always afraid I left something out like. Yeah. website. It's an app. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I myself cool. are probably probably a little behind on all the different apps you can use myself. So, but I I do have Roku. Well, everybody, yeah. everybody is. You can't keep track of every app. You know how many apps come out per day? Yikes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, I don't even want to. Yeah, and every time you visit a website on your phone, it's like, do you want to download the app for this website? It's like, no. I'm only here one yeah. time. I don't I don't need the app for. It. Yeah, no. But yeah, I, of, I, I Yeah, I get it. Of course. Yeah, a lot of cool ones. Of, uh, brain Damage, Chopping Mall, Microwave Massacre. That's a very obscure movie and a very fun movie. Mm-hmm. Basket Case, one of my favorites. Reanimator, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's really fun. I was really glad that they um, they said, would we do some interviews for this? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. It's so different. You know, it's unique. Mm-hmm. You yeah. bet. And then I, cool. I saw right away that you that you posted um, on it, so I put you as part of my story. On oh, thank you. And it got a lot of attention, by the way, too. People know who you are, so. Oh, cool. I, I feel special. <laughs> you should. You should. Well, I feel like I know you because I see you on Facebook all the time. You know. Yes. So, yes. So I yeah, I, I keep Facebook. I keep track of what's going on with you, and yeah, yeah, we interact a lot on Facebook. Yeah, I do too. So it can really make you feel as though you know somebody, even though you rarely, if ever, see them. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've actually ever met you. Oh, I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been in Massachusetts a few times, but. Yeah, because that's where Daniel grew up. He grew up in West mm. Newton. Oh, okay. So, um, and parents still live there, and he's taking care of his father right now who's got um, last stage um, Parkinson's. So he's been oh, there, and right. I've been commuting back for two years. Mm. 
Yeah, I love Massachusetts. This is the time to be there, too, when it gets to be fall. Last year we went to Yeah, the leaves are changing. Awesome. Yeah, Salem's yeah, a very, very cool place. Mm-hmm. On Halloween day, it's it's a little too busy. Uh, but it is yeah. cool if you've never been there to be on Halloween to see all the, all the people just roaming the streets, everyone dressed, you know, in costume. It is a pretty cool experience. Well, we went to the film festival, so it was a little before oh, yeah. chaos. Yeah. I can just yeah. imagine. I don't even want to think about those streets on Halloween. But, you know, that's true out here at Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I prefer Salem not on not on Halloween Day because it is a little too overbearing. But uh, all, all through October, though, it's great. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Well, I appreciate coming back, Kelly, and uh, I'd love to do it again sometime. I would too. Thank you for having me back, and I'd love to talk to you anytime you want to talk to me. And happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Have a good time. Yeah. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. This is Trista Robinson from Echoes of Fear, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Nikki Laterman, makeup artist. She's on The Joker and upcoming The Irishman, which I'm really looking forward to, and all kinds of cool stuff. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. So uh, The Joker, I mean, that's a movie everyone's talking about. How did you get involved in it? I got involved um, with the Joker through the producer, Emma Tillinger, who works a lot with Martin Scorsese, and I've been working with him a lot, too. So we were actually on The Irishman when she told me, hey, I have my next job coming up, and make sure you're available. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then when I found out, like, a couple of months later that it's The Joker, I almost had a heart attack because (laughs) I had no idea. Oh, my God, this is, like, wild, crazy. It was, like, scary and exciting at the same time. Yeah. So that's how I got onto The Joker. Yeah, and there's been several versions of the Joker, obviously. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, are there guidelines given to you to to what the Joker is going to look like, or is there, they do they already have like pictures? Or? Yeah. So what happened is before we started filming, I got together with Todd Phillips, Emma, and Kay Giorgio, who is the ma- uh, the hair designer on the movie. And you know, it's like the initial meeting and how you doing, and you know, this is how what we want to do and you know, reading through the script, asking questions and, you know, getting answers. And Todd showed us a mock-up that he did of Joaquin with like, you know, just some Photoshopped clown makeup on it that he said, we kind of want to use this kind of guideline for, um, you know, Joker. And so what we then did, it was like a very simple clown makeup because, Mm -hmm. you know, we all were in agreement that it should be very simple, 
and yet relatable, but not too crazy and not too complicated. Just very simple because that's what, you know, Arthur Fleck is. He's just like some simple, pathetic little guy. And what what we did then, we, we took that design that they showed us and basically translated. You know, we had to change it around a little bit with, you know, colors and placements and shapes and stuff like that. But the idea came from Todd who clearly had discussed this with Joaquin because I know they've been working on this for a long time prior to shooting. And so, you know, that's how that came along. I sat with Joaquin for like a couple of weeks in the studio and we played around. We just applied makeup and tried, you know, different products, different colors, different placements until he and I were like confident, yeah, this is it. And then got the blessing from Todd and then took that design and made it into the different stages of, you know, working clown to mm-hmm. Joker, to the resurrection. Yeah. Now, when you're working on uh, someone like that, Joaquin, um, does he, like, uh, start to, like, uh, create the character, do you think, while, while you're putting the makeup on? Does he ever, you know, uh, do some scenes or anything like that? No. No, I mean, for not for me. I mean, I think when we started just playing around, we read the script, so we kind of, and knowing what Joaquin's capability is, as an actor, we kind of sort of had an idea where this is going. So Joaquin was actually really, a really incredible um, collaborator when, when, when Kay and I sat down with him and just started playing with hair and makeup and wig. He just sat there basically and, and let us do our thing and then gave input when he felt like, you know, he wanted to try something or maybe change something. The only difficult part in that was that Joaquin can't really sit still for a long time. You know, oh, yeah. he's like gets fidgety and gets gets like wild. And you know, he he lost so much weight and he was a bit mm-hmm. angry because he was always hungry. And it was really hard to keep him sitting still in the chair. So we kind of learned to do everything like really fast, which was kind of great actually because you know he the Arthur Fleck wouldn't really spend that much time doing his makeup. You know, he's mm-hmm. just putting it on quick because it doesn't have to be perfect. He's just a working clown. So it kind of worked great that way. Yeah. It does. Like you said, it even comes off that way in the movie that, uh, this would be, you know, makeup that, that, uh, that a human could put on, which adds a lot of realism yes. to the movie. Yes. And in a way that was for me, the hardest part, because I'm such a perfectionist mm-hmm. and everything has to be perfect. I really had to kind of like <laughs> pull myself back and like, okay, you just do it. Don't think about it. Just paint. If you fuck it up, that's better. <laughs> and, you know, and if he moves around, that's great. It's all needs to be incorporated because that's who the character is. And, you know, so in that retrospect, it was really great. It was really important that it looked like homemade and that he that he did it himself all the way through. I mean, for me, the challenge was to kind of replicate that all the time, because, you know, when you do a movie, you don't shoot everything in 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 sequence you know you shoot one scene one day and then you come back a few weeks later and go back right into the same scene to do pickup shots or added stuff and you have to match it exactly because frame by frame it could be hours between or sometimes even days in between so that was really the hardest part getting the continuity right over a process of different stages of the makeup mm-hmm. when you mentioned that uh because he you could tell he's uh, very gone in the movie is that ever uh, is that ever a problem on other movies? Uh, the person you're putting the makeup on, either they don't want to sit still or or, or, or something. You know, yes, yes, it happens. It happens that people, you know, people don't like to be fussed with a lot, and I get that. I, if I had somebody on me like for hours working on my face because that's a very intimate thing, when somebody's in your face that close or in in your hair. I, I have that sometimes that actors, and it's nothing personal. It's just who they are. It's kind of like 
invading their space and 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 to the contrary some actors really love it you know like the more attention the more you know stuff they get the more they love it but yeah now Joaquin was like incredibly generous in many ways but the sitting still was hard for him and that's not because he wasn't comfortable it's just who he is you know it's just you just can't sit still Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Robert De Niro is in both movies. I assume you do more makeup yeah. for him in the in the Irishman. Well, you know, I wasn't doing his personal makeup on the okay. Irishman. That was Carla White, um, and also they used a lot of um, like digital uh, effects, digital de aging effects. Not the aging; the up aging was makeup, but the down aging was visual effects. But yeah, so yeah, that's you know, that's like little prosthetic pieces here and there, and um, yeah, that's a it's a different kind of makeup. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's like straight to prosthetics with Bob on the Irishman, and also for Joker. I mean, Bob he wore like eye bags, to, mm-hmm. pieces to remove his natural eye bags. He wore fake set of teeth. You know, um, Mike Marino who does incredible makeup effects. He built those pieces for Bob, and then Carla again applied them. So you know, when you have a movie like Joker, there's so many elements that you have to bring in a, a team to kind of cover everything mm-hmm. to make sure He's, that it's all perfect. Yeah. Do you think sometimes makeup like that gets overlooked? People don't, you know, which is probably what you Absolutely. want. You don't want people to realize it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you feel like you don't see the makeup, that's actually success because mm-hmm. you don't want the makeup to kind of distract. And, you know, you see it so much in movies where you have like, it's an obviously it's a wig and it's really distracting and you can't take mm-hmm. that character seriously anymore because it looks so campy. Same with makeup. You see these ladies get up in the morning, you know, out of their beds and they have like full face of makeup on. It's really distracting. It's not good, you know. So when you in a movie, you, you don't want to be distracted by makeup. You want the makeup to kind of like subconsciously, you know, bring that character to you without noticing it. And, you know, that's when you when you can achieve that. That's really great. And I feel like with a Joker, too, I think we really kind of nailed it in terms of like making it realistic. Versus mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, obviously it's going to be prosthetics and obviously like a makeup person applied that. And and that I'm really proud of that we achieved that on the movie to make it look totally real, that you don't even notice it, that you think like, oh, yeah, that you really feel like, oh, yeah, he put that makeup on himself. Clearly. I mean, look at this, yeah. you know, and that was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, I assume you've seen Joker, the finished movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, what did you think of yeah. it? And when you watch a movie that you've worked on, um, can you still watch it as a movie or do you watch it as like, you know, uh, you know, I worked on this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because sometimes, I mean, with the Joker, I kind of, I, I knew it would be great. And I, I was like, I was so excited to see it. And when I thought, I truly saw what we were filming at the time, which was really exciting. And it was really cool to see everything on a big screen where you can really see everything in detail. And that was really exciting because I really loved working on the movie, even though it was one of my hardest jobs. I worked, I mean, I'm telling you, I worked so hard on this job. It was really tough at times, but it was really, it was really a glorious moment to see this all on the big screen. But you know, you, you, when you watch your own work on uh, on a screen, it's sometimes you're you're like, "Uh, what? I don't remember this. And like, Uh whoa, like you, you, sometimes when you see the finished product, it's not at all what you thought you were shooting. 
mm-hmm. because of the editing, because of there's so many aspects to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you you're pleasantly surprised where you think like, oh, I worked on this movie and I don't think it's gonna be a great movie. And then you watch it like, oh wow, this is actually really good, you know. Mm-hmm. I felt like this on the, I felt like this on the Devil Wears Prada to be honest, because I felt like yeah, this is a really cool movie, you know. I just came out from doing all these Sex in the City TV shows, and I'm like, yeah, this is falls right into the same genre, and it's gonna be cool. But, you know, it actually was a really good movie. You know, mm-hmm. I thought like it would be kind of like this little bit superficial, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it was actually really cool. Same with Enchanted. I thought like, ah, yeah, we're doing like this Disney musical. Oh, great, fun, blah, blah, blah. And then when I saw it, like, oh, wow, this was actually really good. Yeah. And, you know, and then you, you, you see also other movies, which I won't mention, where I thought like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm so excited to see it. And then you see it, I'm like, oh, no, this sucks. What happened? You <laughs> oh. know? So yeah, it's 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 always a surprise when you see the finished product because you're not really in the post production. You're not you're not um, part of the post production. So you work, mm-hmm. you shoot, and then you're gone. And a year later, the finished product comes out, and by the time you kind of don't even remember exactly what you you've done. But then you see scenes in the movie, and then you remember. Oh my God! Yes, I remember when we shot that. You know, it's 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 really fun actually. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on the reaction to the movie? Because there's a lot of. Uh... Uh, very passionate you know, reaction, was, both sides to them. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of like once we started the filming and once people found out that, you know, Joker's in the making, I, I realized, oh, they're going to get a lot of shit and they're going to get, you know, from people that are hardcore DC fans who like, they want the Joker, they want the super villain that lives in a superhero world with magical powers and all that stuff. And I, I could see already, even when, when the first pictures of Joaquin came out in the Joker where people are like slamming it, like, he looks terrible. He looks like fucking Ronald McDonald. <laughs> what pathetic. Uh-huh. It's some five-year-old painted on him. And where are the scars? And this is going to suck. And, you know, and, and I was actually quite amused by it because I, you know, it's people didn't understand back then and maybe now who, people who know or seen the movie this is not a super hero mm-hmm. movie it's not it's real it's like the super that that super villain from that super villain world is put into the real world as a metaphor of what's happening right now and that's why this movie is actually such a great movie and different movie because it's comp- it's kind of too close to reality mm-hmm. you know and so yeah you can there always will be haters i think the people who embrace the fact that it's a real it's it's set in human in a, in 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 the human world and not in a super hero world. I think they 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 really, you know, embraced it and and are celebrating it because of the message and everything. And those who can't get over it that it's not a superhero movie, they will not like it. And you know, so be it. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought uh, it's up there with some of my favorite movies of the year. No, it's yeah, one of my I favorite mean, movies, what... I think, in general. I thought it was just phenomenal. Well, it was beautiful because, you know, it, it, because it was in, incredibly great filming, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I mean, uh, Joaquin is just like, he's unbeatable. He's so fucking incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think anybody could pull off what he did. Amazing. And, and just in general, this great collaboration between all the departments like wardrobe, makeup, costume, production design, cinematography, directing, acting. I mean, everything was really like, we all worked really close together and always cross, cross-referencing and I think when people work together, something really beautiful happens, you know, and it shows in the movie. And it's kind of also the message a little bit of the movie where you, you know, if people take care of each other, it, it wouldn't be that horrible place where people have to suffer like mm-hmm. that, you know. 
and and that's that's why I'm really proud of this movie. Yeah. And it's weird because I, I see a lot of people taking a different political message uh, from it. But at the same time, I think yeah. that's what uh, that's what good art should do. You kind of see what yes. you want to see in it and everyone has a different take on it. Absolutely. And, and, and having a discussion, you know, and mm-hmm. having the different views come in and, and have people talk. And, 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 you know, it really is great when things like this motivate you to start a conversation and discussions about really important things, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another wonderful thing about this movie. Yeah. Now, what do you think of the rise of uh, of comic book movies in general? Even though I don't really, I know it's based on the Joker, obviously, but I don't really consider it a comic book movie. No, it's not a comic book. No, it's yeah. not at all a comic book movie. No, it's not at all. I mean, I feel like I feel like it was it was like it was inspired by it clearly because mm-hmm. the comic book world, in so many ways, kind of portrays reality, but just in a in a more severe way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of nice to have to, to be inspired by a comic book versus a comic book being inspired by the real world, you know, or, or uh-huh. the, the fantasy that it comes from reality that you wish was there to make things better, you know. So it's kind of cool to have it uh, have a reverse play on that inspiration. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved in doing makeup for movies? Like, how does one like um, get into that? You know, I was actually a musician first. I was uh, oh, really? cla- I was. Uh, yeah, I studied classical music in Germany. That's where I was born and raised. And I played piano, trombone, and bass. And I, I, I always liked painting and drawing. And I thought, like, okay, I don't want to be a musician. I can't stand it being like in front of people and perform because I'm not a shy person at all. I just don't like to be in front of people mm-hmm. doing things. That's why I could never be an actor either. I mean, that just freaks me out. I don't know how they do that. But so I, I came to New York because I moved here with my then boyfriend and I met this great makeup artist who, you know, offered to take me under her wing. And that was like, um, that was like 30 years ago. And I worked with her on a couple of jobs and I fell in love with it. And I thought it was so cool. And, you know, with my, because I, I come from an artsy family too. I felt like, oh my God, this is it. So I worked a lot on student films for their thesis project, started working in on low budget movies and music videos and, kind of worked my my way up in 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 the film world doing makeup and I'm so glad that I I'm doing it because I love what I do. Yeah. I'm really lucky. Now, were you a movie fan? Like were you a big movie fan oh, yes. before you started? Okay. Yes. Yes, I mean The Exorcist clearly was like, wow, how did yeah. they do it? I remember I was 14 when I saw it for the first time and I was like, how did they do that? I need to know how they did that. And then like in school like I would play in the school big bands and on the side I would like do the makeup for like the school plays for my friends, you know? So it was always like, like a torn, like doing the artsy stuff or the music stuff, but I'm glad I ended up with the makeups. Yeah. Have you done many horror movies, you know, speaking of the exorcist? Not really, not really. I, I, I'm not really sure why I've never done it, but Uh you know, I feel, I feel, I feel like, the horror movie is so great back then. I guess they weren't. There were only like a handful of great horror movies. I was more interested maybe in like serious, realistic characters. So I, I guess I that I just fell into that. I was doing a lot of indie movies where there were a lot of drug addicts or a lot of down dressing, and I thought that was interesting. And I, I kind of, I do effects too, and I do mild prosthetics, but I just feel like I'm more like I want to be more like with the people working on their character and just paint rather than being sculpting and doing pieces. You know, I, I, I'm just more comfortable, I guess. And also I'm more comfortable bossing people around. I totally admit it. Total control <laughs> freak. 
I love running my crew. Uh-huh. I know I'm 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 a good boss because I I I love to have all their inputs being translated in the work. Yeah, but I I I, I just love overseeing everything and putting the whole big picture together. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what, Halloween's coming up. Uh, do you ever do anything yeah. for Halloween? Oh, sure. Of course I do. I have kids, uh-huh. so I'm usually, like, painting kids. Like, my kids in school do, like, face paints and stuff like that. I don't do anything wild and crazy, but I love to do it for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is, is, is great. It's fun. And I already got, like, can you do the classes, the Joker today? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's really fun. Yeah, I'd be prepared this year to see a lot of a uh, lot of your version of the Joker out there for Halloween. I know it was really fun. I went to, <laughs> I took my kids to Comic Con, and there were already a bunch of Jokers running around, and it was so cool to see. And I was like, oh my god, this is exciting! It kind of made my heart race a little bit. It's like, oh my god, look at this, look at this, and they're like, oh my god, you should go up to them and tell them that you did this. I'm like, are you mad? <laughs> no way! It was just so wonderful seeing them. You know, like you know, copying is like the best flattery really mm-hmm. for some somebody who created something and people are copying it it's just amazing i love it and i think there is no bad interpretation out there i think each and every one of those interpretations are just wonderful i think it's fantastic yeah should be about people you know having fun and uh, expressing themselves yes exactly and you know when people ask me i have like on my my instagram i have like one um post where i told them what i used and how to put it on and i think the key really is like turn on music really loud. Don't think about it. Just do it. Be done in like a couple of minutes and, and have fun with it. That's really the most important part. Have fun with it. Yeah. I go to a 12 hour horror movie marathon for Halloween. It's from midnight till noon the next day. So wow. if, I, if I see any jokers, I'll take a, or your joker, I'll take a picture yes. and, uh, and send it. Yes. To yeah. Yes, please do. That would be great. I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. You have to, you have to pace yourself so you can stay awake. Uh, Throughout all the movies, <laughs> a coffee between, yeah. yeah. Or if there maybe if there's one you ne- don't necessarily want to see, maybe pick that one to take a little nap. Yes, uh, exactly. We'll right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you have to uh, do a movie that takes place in a certain time, like a, a you mm-hmm. know period piece, like what do you do mm-hmm. for research? Well, I go to the library. <clears throat> I go to the library and and pull whatever I can find from that period. Like I, I, I think about like any historic events that happens or if in that, in this script, a historic event is actually recreated. It's, you know, I'll just pull the research from that time period in libraries. I pull it from internet and yeah, that's how I get my visual um, research done. And then, you know, what I, when I worked on the Nick, we did something that I thought was really good. We, I had my whole entire makeup department come to, um, I have a little place in, in the country and we set up like a two-week workshop of um, doing portraits, copying American realist paintings like Sargent and, and um, some of these great artists from that time period and try to paint with, you know, acrylics, oil, whatever we had to recreate those famous paintings just to get a feel of color, highlights, what the faces looked like, you know, and 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 that was really great. And what we then did when we worked with our actors, we kind of tried to translate that feel of the colors and the highlights and and the looks onto our actors. And sometimes I really felt like it really looked like paintings, which was really wonderful. So you know, when you do research, it's really important to stay true to you know accurate time, but also, and that's actually a really interesting 
thing. When you do period and you do something that's completely authentic to the period, but it kind of looks funny, mm -hmm. then you kind of almost have to adjust it a little bit to make it maybe less authentic as mm -hmm. long as it still feels correct to the period. Because mm -hmm. again, that would kind of like throw the viewer off, even though it would be totally happy, even if that look would have totally existed back then. And it would have kind of still stood out and looked weird. It, it's distracting. You kind of don't want it, you know? So it's tricky to do period films where you stay true to authenticity and yet you have to adjust it sometimes to make it look authentic, even though yeah. it may not be. Yeah. Because you know? you're still making a movie, so you still want it to, you, to look interesting. Yeah, you, you want it to look interesting, but you also want to make it look believable. And mm -hmm. even when you walk on the street, sometimes, you know, you see like some, some unfortunate homeless person and they look so insane where you would think like, if you put that in a movie, it would look, oh my God, look at this. They're completely <laughs> overdid that. Even right. though it's true and it happens, it doesn't translate sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, unless there's a point of doing that for a specific character where it needs to be that way. But in general, yeah, it's like, it's amazing. Reality is sometimes a, a lot more crazier than, you know, mm -hmm. than you think it is. It's really yeah. interesting. What are some of the hardest uh, projects to work on? Like, is there a different, like a, a certain type of movie that's hard for you to work on? Well, hard projects are usually projects that um, have a huge cast with very specific looks. I think my personal hardest project was The Greatest Showman because we had a huge cast. It was period, but wasn't really supposed to be period. It's also fantasy. You know, it has so many different genres. It has was musical, fantasy, period, all in one film. And we had, I had, I had like, you know, I had 50 dancers, that were oddities to deal with to design and, and the main cast and then all these background people who on period movies, you have to look at every single background person and make sure they go through hair, makeup, wardrobe to make sure they look perfect. So I think, yeah, The Greatest Showman was, I think, my hardest job because of the different genres and the huge cast. And it was definitely a very, it was a visual movie too that you knew like everybody had to look special. So that was hard, but yeah. at the same time, very fulfilling. Uh, a lot of people sent in questions, but a lot of this is uh, stuff we covered, but thanks everyone for sending them in. But here's one that uh, we didn't really cover is interesting. Missy Mooney wants to know, uh, making a cl the clown makeup for the Joker, uh, making it sympathetic, was that difficult? You know, it wasn't really difficult. You know, you have like the clown makeup. That's why we chose like to go with something really simple that everybody can relate to, that maybe people can remember from going to the circus, to have like a very simple clown makeup that doesn't look too evil, but it ha but it, it also had to have symmetry because when you have something that's very symmetric, it seems to be more pleasing to the eye versus something when he turns into the Joker later on, kind of became a little bit more um, mad and mm -hmm. crazy and even violent. So, yeah, I think I think, again, it's also... A perception some people are afraid of clowns so no matter you have you could have the most friendly friendly yeah. clown out there it's still scary to them mm -hmm. but yeah it was important that the the clown especially the working clown was sympathetic you know because you know arthur should be a sympathetic person and again you know you can have the best and coolest makeup in the world if the actor doesn't bring it from within it's Mm -hmm. it's worth nothing. I mean, it really is Joaquin who made it what it was. If you wanted it to be sad, it would be sad. If you wanted it to make it crazy and mad, it would be crazy and mad, but that's because what he did with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. a lot of the makeup really, really relied on 
how Joaquin played it and what he did with it with his own facial expressions. So the makeup was literally just an extension, an extension mm-hmm. of his emotions and his actions. Yeah. I also think there's a lot more confidence in the character by the end of the movie. Yes, clearly, clearly. And it, it, yeah, for sure. And the matter, the makeup got in the matter, he got the more confident he got, the, mm-hmm. the Joker got, which was really cool. Yeah. And you, I'll ask one more here. Is, um, Cause you kind of covered mm-hmm. this, but Casey Dillard Purnell, uh, filmmaker, she wants to know uh, how much back and forth was there between you and the actor and the director? How much back and forth? You know what? It was not much back and forth between Todd and me at all. He kind of told me from the beginning what he wanted and he just let me do my thing and I showed it to him and he pretty much okayed everything, which was kind of cool. It was more between Joaquin and I because I think we all knew that whatever Joaquin is most comfortable, that's what we should go with. I think it was smart of Todd to not insist on things that Joaquin wouldn't be comfortable with because he knew that Joaquin would be the one bringing it to life and whatever it would be that he was comfortable with would be perfect. So it was more like between Joaquin and I, but, you know, we, we, we kind of got it down pretty quickly to, you know, to come to bring together the design that would be right for him. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, what are you working on currently? Um, we just finished the many saints of Newark, the prequel to the Sopranos movie, which takes oh, very interesting. in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> work on a lot of stuff. Very, very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be very cool. Tony, um, Jim Gandolfini mm-hmm. is portrayed by his son, who plays oh, really? him as a 16-year-old and 17-year-old, Michael Gandolfini, and he's doing a marvelous job. It was really eerie. Sometimes when he looks in the camera and you can see his dad's yeah. eyes and expression, it was really incredible. I think it's going to be a good movie, so I'm, I'm excited when that comes out. It's going to yeah. be really cool. It takes place, takes place in Newark at the um, race riots. So another historical event that happened and that is incorporated into the story. So it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. So that's a movie. It's not a TV show. No, it's a movie. Yeah. It's okay. a movie. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, I just, li- I just listened to the audio book cause I walk a lot. So I listen to audio books and I just mm-hmm. listened to the audio book of, um, I heard you paint uh, houses, houses? Uh, in, yeah. Yeah, in preparation for the Irishman, which I'm, I'm very yeah. much looking forward to. Yeah, it's good. I've seen it already. It's good. It's like it's it's a long movie. It's three and a half hours. But uh-huh. I, I tell you, I, I when I sat down, I was like, okay, here we go. Three and a half hours. Yeah. If the time flew by, you wouldn't even notice it. It was like a wonderful, incredibly entertaining history lesson. That movie. It was really great to watch. Yeah. What do I listen to the book? I was like, I don't know how you condense all this into like a movie, but three and a half hours because yeah. it yeah. does cover like many decades. It and does so cover many a different. lot. Yeah. Yeah, we had like it was like four no five, no six different decades. We had nineteen forties through two thousand. We had like six decades that uh-huh. we covered. And yeah. it's fun because it goes back and forth to kinda of explain why and how and what. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think I yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. I hope people yeah. will like it. Yeah. And it's a huge movie buff like myself to see De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci all in a movie yeah, together. Bye Martin Scorsese. And- yeah, and Harvey Keitel. I know. I know everybody. That was really like wild just to be on the set with all these legends. It's like, uh-huh. oh my God, I can't believe I'm even here. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to ask that, but I didn't want to be like, but do you ever get like, uh, I mean, you've worked in all these giant movies. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I, you know what? I, it's interesting. I think because I work with a lot of well-known people, I don't really get starstruck. But what happens a lot is when I work with a person that I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'm working with that person. 
that I all, all, that I all of a sudden, you know, fall madly in love with him. That happened like twice. It happened with Joaquin. I mean, I, I, Joaquin I always loved, but knowing him as a person and working with him, oh my God, I'm, I think I'm like his number one fan, not in mm. the sense of the movie, you know, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> I won't come on after him and stab him, but um, um, it happened also with, um, with Ted Danson, you know, I was working oh, on this yeah. TV show and they, and they said, okay, Ted Danson is going to be playing this part. I'm like, yeah, okay, Ted Danson, whatever, you know, dude mm-hmm. from Cheers. And then I started working with him. And I'm like, oh my God, this man is amazing. This man is like, he is like, he is such a good person. So, I mean, I, I was just like smitten with him as a, not as an actor. I mean, he's a great actor. I mean, I, I actually, realize he's a much better actor than people give him credit for but as a person he is so caring and so smart and so funny and and so wonderful to be around i you know i had my, one of my friends had um had a baby who was very ill who unfortunately passed away and we were i was organizing a benefit for her and he's like what are you doing why are you on the phone all the time i'm like so explain to him oh you know my friend Mela, she's a sick baby i'm just trying to throw a big benefit and he's like okay what time when i'll be there bartending like just like that you know and i was like oh my god who does that yeah, you know amazing. i mean he was just i i was i was i just i love i worship this man i think he's one of the most humble and wonderful people out there it was just so refreshing to see that's good to hear too because you hear a lot of negative things about uh you know people in general but you know a lot of celebrities but it's good to hear positive stories yes i mean you find you find every category if it's the real world working class celebrities politics music whatever there's some great people and there's some awful people you know you'll find them everywhere yeah exactly well i really appreciate you uh doing the interview i really enjoyed talking with you uh fun talking to you too yeah, and I love Joker, and I'm really looking forward to uh, the Irishman and the Many Saints of Newark. And cool. uh, yeah, Thank I know this you. is a horror movie show, but uh, yeah, probably mafia movies are probably my favorite uh, genre. But you can't do a whole a show about just mafia movies; it's not enough. So. I get, yeah, I guess not. But you know what? There's a lot of horror within the mafia too, so I guess it kind of fits in a little mafia movie here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just a movie fan in general of movies I like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, have a good day. I appreciate this. Well, thanks, Neil. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Hi, Mary Lou speaking. Sorry I can't come to the phone right now, but I'm busy at the prom. Places to go, people to kill. Don't bother leaving a message. Vicky doesn't live here anymore.